Steve Dixon, MXGP of Switzerland. Obviously, you wear many hats in the industry, the paddock have done for years, so there's lots to talk about. But uh, first, let's kind of just start on the season as a whole for the team. Obviously, we're 16 rounds in now. You lost Darian early on, which is obviously a blow. But Tommy's kind of picked the pace up a bit and is pushing the top five now. And you've got uh, Gustavo Pessoa, who actually looks like he could do quite well. So I guess things are moving along quite nicely for you now. Yeah, I mean, this year um, it was unfortunate about Darren. He just seemed to have turned the corner. Um, He came back this year um, really, uh, I think, really learned a lot from last year. I think he underestimated last year, having come in from the, you know, Europeans on a high. And, um, yeah, he went away. And like I say, you know, winners tend to stay winners. And, you know, he went back and learned, came over to Europe, got his um, head down. He had a little injury over the winter and... He had a good train, training program with um, with his friend, and also we had him, you know, in Belgium. We have a George, a really good mechanic that's been with us for sort of nearly ten years, apart from the year he was with uh, Fevre when he won. So I mean, that's really handy. And um, you know, with Thomas over there and Marshall, I think you know they just felt they had a little America going on in Lommel. And uh, you know, at one point they thought about buying a coffee shop there. Uh, so they, yeah, I mean, they're they're quite like a funny li- lot, you know they they're mad into their money and uh yeah it's good yeah it's very good that they're you know they sort of i think after zach you know now the americans coming over here it's sort of you know really seen as a nice adventure and you know whereas before i think it was more of a yeah almost a downward step and uh, uh it's good good for europe that we you know we can take those guys but yeah it was you know it just turned a corner at spain and uh, it was just unfortunate that he got injured at the british i mean but he but he you know he needed the experience of the British, you know, the mud and everything like that. You, you know, you need to be an all-round winner to, um, you know, to be able to ride the conditions of, you know, of, say, the mud in Russia and, you know, the slippy of Checo. And that's that's the fantastic sort of thing about the World Championship. It's got so versatile types of soil. But, yeah, I mean, as always, you know, we have to deal with injuries. And um, the plan with uh, was Darian was to try to sort of you know give it a little recoup we knew we had to have the operation I took him to see the specialist same specialist that gave me information about Tommy and with Tommy you know the year before we said right just get it done um, you can't you know gone are the days of building sort of special footrests like we used to for Billy and all that you can't come back half-heartedly you have to come back and if you come back riding half injured it's not fair on the riders they just get um, yeah they just people don't want excuses they want to see you on track and if you're not doing well, they sort of just blame the rider. So, yeah, I mean, um, the decision was to get the, you know, the ACL fixed, ready for next year. We sort of, obviously, we already had an option on Darian. And, yeah, he, he took that option. We sort of discussed get it sorted, get ready for um, a good winter program, get your body strong, get the legs strong, and then, uh, and then come back in, like, November. So we've said nothing on a bike can tell sort of November the 1st and then we'll start off with two weeks in uh, California it might be November the 14th it might be December you know there's we want the leg to be 100% going into 20 rounds next year and um, yeah we're glad to have re-signed him and yeah we're looking forward to that so yeah and then yeah Tommy at the moment he's 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 doing good and um, he unfortunately he didn't listen he Went straight back training, uh, as you do after uh, Indonesia. He got a fifth overall, and 
okay, I know you don't have the full grid, but you have all the good guys. He had to beat the good guys, and he did that. And um, he come back, started riding on Tuesday. You need to get over those, over those, um, you know, long flyaways. You you need to let your body recuperate. You could go a week without riding, no problem. You can go two weeks, and yeah, he was eager, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I can be this. I can be top five again. You know, I'm going to get training, and yeah, he, he then made himself ill, ready for Checo, and you know, then it's sort of it's taken two weeks for him to get back on you know, strength, and we saw that at Hawkstone, you know, he's flowing and, you know, he's fast. Obviously, re-signing Darian was a big thing for you next year. I imagine that was kind of the one thing you were focused on. Was it an easy process? Obviously, I'm guessing a lot of teams have now noticed that he's going to be a contender next year, so maybe it wasn't quite as easy to get him as it was to begin with. Oh, yeah, I mean, definitely um, Darian had other offers. I mean, but it's his last year in, you know, MX2, uh, we did try to put, uh, as we did with Zach, you know, when we took Zach over to America a year before, we, we gave him, you know, we agreed with Zach that um, we would go over there and do Supercross four rounds and put him on a platform ready for, you know, the other teams to sort of spot him. And we did that and, you know, he, he actually tested with three or four guys while he was still under contract with me and that was fine. You know, that you can have these good relationships when, when there's trust on both sides. With Darian, we sort of uh, sort of felt the same. Um, he he had unfinished business to do here. You know, so did we with him. He had other offers from you know other manufacturers and that. You know, because actually in MX2 the pick and pull's pretty sort of small at the moment. So we did try to sort him out a two-year deal with with uh, USA. Uh, but as of yet, we didn't have any takers. So actually, Darian, to give you know Darian his security, he does actually have a two-year solid deal with me. That if they did change the age rule, yep. uh, you know they could make it 23 and under. You know because in 2020 there is 12 people to go up, yep. which leaves MX2 pretty you know decimated. Especially when you have a look at the top of EMX they've already uh, aged out so it's a bit it's a bit difficult so um you know darian actually does have a contract a full contract for 2020 in the 450s with us or if he gets a ride in america then i'll honor him you know to be able to go to america so he has that security of the next two years which is which is what riders are looking for you, you know it's, it's no sooner as you start a season in March come June you're talking about the following year so you, ne- you need to try and have some focus and that's what we tried to do with Darian you'd quite like to see a bit of a change to the age rule wouldn't you like it's not like you want it scrapped completely but maybe just uh, reassess the situation and make a small tweak here or there yeah I think I think um, you, you know I think the age you know some some rules you know some rules help and I think it has helped it's helped you know make make the MXGP uh, a superior class but I feel just at this stage at the moment because you know of the timings and everything everyone you know there seems to be uh, MXGP now that the riders going up into MXGP they've got a very short career of almost can only be one more one year yeah. so if you take the likes of Petrov, Giaud and all those that are that were like fantastic in MX2 gone up you know it might take a year or two to learn and you you don't actually get that learning 
capacity because um, someone's looking for the next sort of young rider to come through and so they so you've got your factory teams and then your younger ones sort of think right well we're we'll take a chance on this guy and you've got these guys that are in limbo um which which is also not good for a sport you know because we've you know those those guys have committed their careers to making this their career so from 16 you know they do their apprenticeship they get into mx2 and it actually takes a good few years just to actually grow up in yourself you you can't stop you know you're still a kid you know when you traveling the world at 18 and 19 you, you still have to remember their their kids you know normally they're going down the town drinking and everything and, and and we can't stop how humans are same with footballers you know they get caught going out in nightclubs and everything like that you can't stop growing up in normal life so at, at this moment coming in 2020 i do feel that we have going to have like a glut of riders that is going to make mxgp a bit overcrowded for the teams because the teams need to deliver results and you can't have results in mxgp when you've got the likes of you know the top top guys like hurlings and um Beverer and geyser and all those people um dominating so so if they changed it to 23 and under because really it's 22 you you could be you could be 22 right up until the 31st and then when if you turn 23 on the 1st of January, you can't race. Yeah, Someone yeah. on the 31st of December can race. Maybe if it was just like I say, like at an age 23 and under, that, that would at least give the current situation time to breathe. You know, and, and that's what it's about. We, you know, I think we need people to be adaptable. It, it's, it's worked on our side to, to the FIM, so maybe a little bit of adaption, but we'll see. Have you spoken to anyone like at the FIM in power at all about this? Have you heard anything that something might change, or does it is it quite quiet on that front? Um, I have made some little suggestions, uh, but yeah, I mean, we don't we don't want to see a reverse. I mean, we, it, you know, like like when Hurlings, you know, was winning uh, the world championship, you know, they changed the rules, yeah. and he was allowed to continue. It just needs a little tweak for that just for the good of the sport because at the moment let's say in mxgp you can get a very cheap rider that is a very good rider yet in mx2 let's say for darian instance his wages have doubled um and he's been sat on the couch no disrespect to darian <laughs> and you know uh, that's just how it is we see we see that now and again you know uh, a few years ago the mxgp riders uh, you know it was very expensive to get a rider of course the top few are are worth it and well they, they're all worth more but but at the moment you can they they'll take anything some of the riders and that's that's not good you know you you know they take a lot of risk and they they need some you know the teams be, need to appreciate to be able to pay the riders some you know good money to be able to actually live and for their risks speaking of the good of a sport you're quite good for the sport in the UK obviously you're the reason we have a British GP after a few years of not having one you've got a step forward as well next year and have got British fans the first European GP of the season which is huge obviously there's always going to be naysayers and there's been a few of those just talk about the thought process of moving Matterley to March and how easy it was to make that happen I mean the thought process is not difficult you know we we've seen a decline in fans and 
you know we're actually cheaper to to enter into it you know as a spectator than than even Lommel and places like that that you know the, the British seem to have this uh, misconception that everything's expensive it's it's damn expensive to run an event in in the UK really expensive we we have to abide by rules and regulations and you know I don't want to go into the whys and wherefores to do it and and I'm not one for sympathy you know it's I I have a choice I have a good I have a good you know life with my team you know it's I'm I'm doing what I love doing you know I don't need to do the GP but somehow I got hooked into doing it and you know I don't want to like let myself down and and the British fans because the only reason I took over doing the GP in 2004 when I did it in 2005 at Matchams was because there was no GP and then there was no it was in sort of turmoil it was one year here one year there then no GP and the GP was essential to the running of our team we used to have sort of 300 guests from bike it and those people and th- those sponsors would come to one race one GP in a year and that that set the scene for our sponsorship they don't you know they don't have time to come to the ones abroad and stuff like that so it was important to carry that on and the ACU were going to do it but they they couldn't sort of take on the the sort of responsibility of using road races trials and all those sort of license holders money so in the end it got to the last minute and I, I was going to help the ACU run it in the end I said well yeah I'll run it with you sort of thing uh, with Giuseppe and yeah and so as we've seen decline and it doesn't really matter what month in in sort of um, the summer we run whether it's hot or cold sort of numbers are diminishing uh, so we need to sort of spice that up and it seems the crowds are better in the pre you know the early season ones look at Hawkstone you know look at Hawkstone at the in February freezing cold and look at the weekend at the British Championship you know we've, we're missing a few riders but it's a totally different mentality so uh, yeah I, I I said to Ustream you know what about March I did some first off I you know I'm not silly I did some you know research I spoke to Peveril he has 20 years of um, you know records of weather and it looked pretty good and the last couple of seasons we've done a little bit of training up at Matterley with Darian and I was thinking god we could actually have a pre-season international that was my thoughts so um, you know I've got video and it's like lovely weather obviously this year it snowed it was different but we had three months of um, you know sunshine that's also not normal nowadays so we have to take this year as a you know as a freak and then last weekend it was boomtown after three months of um, sunshine they had you know thunderstorms rain and that's that's in the middle of the summer so you never know obviously it'll be a few degrees colder for camping but hey they all camped in february for hawkstone and we always used to have early birds at Canada Heights. We used to have Fox Hills International early in February. We used to have um, Hawkstone Park on January the 1st. No one used to think, even think about it. You know, you didn't see for the February International what people saying, oh, it's too early, you know, we, we can't camp, it'll be cold. I don't know. I, I just wish people would sort of get behind it, support it. And um, it's, not, it's not a lot, you know, and that's what the youngsters aspire to. And... Like I say, if, I think if I didn't do it, there wouldn't be a GP. And I think that's sad when, you know, motocross started in the UK. And, you know, it, at least the main reason I did it is, is I've achieved, I think, is, you know, stability. You know, every year we know that Matley's going to happen. And, 
Um, you know, this year it'll be fantastic to have the first people. You know, it'd be good to have the press launches and stuff like that. It'd be good, good uh, media, and hopefully we get a sort of bigger crowd and go from there and build on it. One thing I've always wondered, and there may be nothing to it, but obviously whatever EMX classes are around, that kind of impacts a lot of things for the crowd. How does that kind of get decided? Like, can you go to Ustream and say, I want EMX 250, or do they kind of just look at the entry list, see what works in the best places? I think they just think, right, it's Matt Ali, we've got loads of space, we'll have as many classes as we can, and that's basically it. Uh, you know, I'm the only uh, one that ran two um, four-day festivals. Festivals. Um, yeah, I guess they know I'm game for anything, and I'll try and help the sport. Uh, you know, and... You know, we've got a few more ideas to try and help uh, this year. You know, I really want to, I really want to um, do something to sort of try and help the youth. You know, we, we was in Czech Republic the other week. There was one 65 rider. I, you know, I went to the ACU and said, look, you know, somehow we need to change this. And I suggested maybe we get a, a truck or something. And well, not me personally, but the ACU and people club together take some Europeans put some emphasis on the a- ACU youth championship being something because ultimately that's what leads to um, European rides and then GP rides you know because they're all affiliated through the ACU to the FIM and I feel at the moment there's so many different schoolboy championships you know I, I don't I wouldn't know who the schoolboy riders are and and before you used to know that you know because there was sort of like one you know, whether it be Kelly Swanson and Tony Marshalls and all those, you know, Stephen Sword, you knew who the, the young riders were. And, and I think, you know, and I'd put money in myself as a team. You know, if you could get lots of people putting in 200 quid, 500 quid to get 10 riders in a truck to go to the European rounds and to the, you know, the young sort of 65s, 85s. And... And, yeah, because if we don't, yeah, uh, I guess that's a jet ready for the rerun. But there's, there's lots of, um, you know, if we don't have young riders coming through, then we don't have, you know, people to sort of, um, you know, put on the teams. I mean, you know, you may look and say, oh, well, you know, you take foreign riders as um, in your team and you could take British riders. You know, I love to take British riders and, you know, we've had lots of them, Billy and Carl Nunn and... Martin Barr and Tommy and all, all those guys but ultimately we you know we're a GP team we have to compete with other GP teams and deliver results for our sponsors it's difficult you know when the, especially now there's 20 GPs to actually train up a youngster at 14 and spend the time because he needs a lot of time spent on him but we don't have a lot of time we have time to like go to the races, get back, get the bikes ready, go to the races, get back, go to the races, travel, test, and it's difficult. So... That's obviously that. They're obviously doing a, you know, a royal role for me, you know, because I'm on the mic. But no, I mean, we, you know, we have to... Like I always say to anyone, you know, we need riders, we need club clubs we need a promoter we need someone like Ustream we need the media and we need the crowd you know not one of them is good without the other if 
if the riders don't have any team support on them, they're not earning any wages, so then they have to get a job. If the media have nothing to report about, they don't have a job. If the promoter doesn't have any crowd, then he can't be sustainable. So we, we all have to understand that no one is bigger than the other. We're a, we're a little circle of a pie, and we all need to be together and support each other. And that's why I go back to saying, um, you know, if, if we can get a sustainable crowd then you know the gp is sustainable and then we see the likes of conrad muse in the 85 you know he had his chance at matterley and that that made his platform for his career yeah that that, that made his platform for, for his career and same as Diego goertz did it at his home gp so you know it's important and and i think you know we sort of need to step back to realise actually what's going on, you know, because the, the times have changed, you know, hugely, and we can't live in the past. You know, people say, "Oh, it used to be good," but we, you know, no one can live in the past. Everyone, you can't not have technology. You can't not have, you know, transporters, bikes, working conditions, and you know, have this conversation. You know, each time, why do you need trucks? Why do you need this? Well, if we turned up in a transit van like we used to fine by us but you wouldn't get the sponsors to be able to sort of be sustainable in the sport today and it's just a that's just how it is we have to accept it sticking with the british theme obviously the motocross of nations is coming up and you could be a major part of that if tommy does get selected obviously we don't know every rider's kind of told me on the mic that they don't know but it genuinely does seem that no one knows at the moment obviously you've done an american nations as a team manager colorado in uh, 2010 from your point of view kind of what goes into it and can you understand the fact that it's been delayed a little bit the decision um yeah i mean uh you know i know the politics involved i was given a budget of twelve thousand pounds to do the job I, I did that job and and um you know at one point we were sort of you know right up there it was unfortunate jake had a dnf but yeah we, we were there solid and uh you know also that year i was supporting zach and through Puerto Rico so we had to send a bike for Zach and actually Puerto Rico led it at one stage with uh, with their riders so um, yeah I, I mean the trouble is it's getting late you know I mean if I think there should have been sort of four riders chosen and said right okay we need some help because now it's even late for us to sort of raise you know go to people and say oh well, how about this or that and you know, I mean, uh, Mitch Payton rang me up the other day and said, hey, you, you guys at the Nations, like, you know, I need to know whether we're taking our truck back to the workshop or whether we're, you know, parking it up, waiting a week, and then we'll tr- take it to uh, Redbud. I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, yeah, they have their agenda. I mean, and that's that's it. But, you know, after third place last year, well, there's a responsibility on the GP, I mean, on the the British team you know to try to better that or at least stay up with that we have a good we have a good bunch of of uh mx2 riders with um with ben um you know obviously i guess the choice would be ben you know ben has um you know good support you know you could probably get support over there with star to get a bike but you know probably they'd want to ship the bike in, in in a reserve position MX2 you'd have you know you've got to say Conrad and then in MXGP you'd have to say um, 
you know, Max, can, you know, as, as we saw, he pulled that out of the bag last, last year, win-win. I mean, that, that shouldn't go unrewarded. Um, and then after that, yeah, you've got Tommy and Jake and Sean. And, yeah, I guess it's really out of those three. Um, I, don't, I don't know with Dean. Um, I think Dean's going to start riding. You know, that, that could be a decision as well. Uh, but, you know, a, a decision sort of should, be, should have been done soon. At least let us know to sort of see if we can help in any ways, you know, because now it's sort of getting late to ask people. But I'm sure they'll uh, make a decision. I, d- I, don't think it's a, I don't think it's a year to um, start playing and saying, oh, we'll send the young and everything like that. And, yeah, you know, we were third place. You know, we want to aim for better than that. And there's, there's no reason why our guys, whether it's Sean, whether it's Jake, whether it's Tommy, you know, can do that. And if, if there's... You know, if there's any difficulty, you know, getting bikes and machinery, uh, yeah, we should just pick our strongest team first and then deal with it afterwards, how to get there. It does sound like the whole getting bikes over there thing is the thing that's holding it up, but when Dean came over last year, I'm pretty sure Husky Europe just supplied him a bike he got built there. Could this not work the other way? Like, obviously you're not a factory team, but could you not talk to Mitch and get pro circuit parts, get him to build a bike up? His truck's going to be able to take it from California. Like, is it not... Are there not easier solutions to this problem? Like, obviously, I don't know much, but from the outside looking in. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, at the end of the day, you can just, on a 450, you can just go and buy a bike over there, you know, five grand, take your parts over and um, sell it afterwards. You know, I'm sure sure that's an option. Like I say, uh, when we did the Supercross, we just, you know, I just shipped a bike over there. It's, if you do it in time, it's, you know, it's not like it's got to come back quickly. It, it, it wouldn't be expensive you know, it's not an expensive not not going to America not planned I mean you know that people like bike it and that they, they ship all the time to America they you know the rates that someone like bike it would get over over me would be you know 80% less but, but, you, but you need time you need time to do the carnets and everything like that you know shipping tires over there buying tires over there whatever you know that all that stuff's easy to do and you know achievable but like I say now it's coming into september we we've actually only got it would by the time the team's chosen and we're back from these trips you've only nearly got four or five weeks you know which is uh then that's sort of cutting it fine to sort of get stuff arranged finally then because we've uh, kept you long enough obviously darian's confirmed for next year and the second spot's open tommy's not under contract can you tell us anything about what you're going to do obviously mx2 is close to your heart so are you going back to mx2 riders what's the score um, yeah, I mean, people say MX2's close to my heart. It, it's not so much that. I mean, it's if if Zach had gone up with uh, MXGP, you know, we would have followed that. But I think it's just it's just about having uh, the chance to win. Is is um, I need some of that fuel. Um, no, I mean. The reason, you know, the reason we're in competition is, you know, ideally we want to win. You know, we're not here to make the numbers. We've had, I think, you know, my team's had more G- first-time GP winners than pretty much every other team, nearly including KTM. And, and that's, that's what we aim for, whether it be like with McFarlane, with Dean Ferris, with Billy, with Nani, with Jorgensen, with Mailer. It's, it's 
yeah it's what you aim for you know we we turn max around and that that's what you look for and it's difficult to look for that in mx gp because the ride is already established the ride is already established so you know you can't take a tommy Searle and then turn him into a, a, a mx gp winner you know he has to do that himself because he's he's already experienced you can't sort of as i say teach him to suck eggs and and so all you can do is try to give him a, a you know something good to, and, and make his life as easy as you can which which is difficult against the factories because they're sending, spending so much money yeah. mx2 they don't spend so much resources obviously ktm factory do but you know you're a little bit more level playing field and it's it comes down you know more to the more to the bike so you can make more of a dis- difference as a team whereas uh, in, in MXGP if I, if I could have gone forward hurlings with um, if I could go and afford hurlings he could pretty much go out on a stock bike with suspension and, and he might only win by 20 seconds but he you know all, all MXGP bikes now are sort of you know, really good. I mean, I read in a yeah a magazine test the other day, like yesterday. You know, like KTM's now fifth, <laughs> gone from last to fifth because you know the Cowies come in, the Yamis come in, the Hondas come in, which is good. You know, the public are getting. Um, you know, really, it's coming down to who your best dealer is and go down and sort of support it. And so that's why I do MX2. You know the the riders are more affordable and also you know they don't have they don't expect as much and you know we feel then we can make a difference as a team and the second rider i don't know i mean we're tommy hopefully will get a ride on a kawasaki in another team and you know i'm all all for helping tommy but again we want to put we're putting a lot into darian and uh he's sort of you know taken let's say factory suspension and everything from you know what what tommy's deal was and so we're trying to give darian the everything that is possible to compete on a, a level playing field against you know the other factory teams and and then the second rider yeah, we don't know yet i mean it, it would be nice to have a certain british rider that goes well yep I know. Um, but you know, we'll see. You know, everyone's on a shopping list at the moment. It's it's just uh, you know having everything in place at the time. You know, I feel even if you wait at the moment, you can still come up with uh, you know a good rider. There's there's a lot of riders, you know, like Rubini and all those sort of riders that are searching for rides. So um, yeah, I'm, and you know, working with Gustavo was has been really nice. He's a really nice guy, and you know, I've never seen anyone sort of. Um, I've never seen sort of someone, you know, so humble and appreciative of, you know, what's going on, you know, because like motocross is not big in Brazil as as such, so it, you know, it's, for him it's like going to Disney and like you know having all the toys he wants. So uh, we'll see how these next three GPs pan out with him. And I mean, again, that's that's just. You know, we're doing this to be creative with um, our new sponsor, ASW. And, um, yeah, from there, we'll, we'll uh, see. I mean, you've got riders like Josh Gilbert going good. But, again, you know, 
it's because of the age rule he's you know a year in uh, MX2 and then he's yeah. sort of, you know it's nearly time and that's the trouble so hopefully they might change something on the rule in to get an extra year I don't know